My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Hey there, friends. Uh, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I am joined by Kaylee Robsham. Uh, Kaylee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jake. I am so excited to be here. And I know that we just got connected a few months ago. So um, yeah, let's get started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always like the awkward beginning, right? Like, oh, how do we how do we transition? Like what's, what's, what's going to be said here? So since we uh, know each other pretty well, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So hi everyone. I'm Kaylee Robsham. I am a student affairs professional turned entrepreneur. And, um, here's a little bit about my story since most people tuning in, I feel like either know myself or know Jake. So, Part of my story is leaving my student affairs job, and I was very uncertain about where I was going and kind of lost myself in student affairs along the way. And um, so I I was in you know grad school. I went to my master's program right after my undergrad, and the kind of turning point or pivotal moment for me was when I was inundated with work. I realized I didn't have a personal life. I lost my not uh, physically lost, but broke up with my partner. And um, I just kind of watched my, it's almost as if I was the observer watching my life kind of just fall to pieces. And I felt like I was deteriorating mentally, physically, emotionally, and just spiritually like on that soul level. And I knew that this wasn't the side of student affairs that the reason that why I had gone into student affairs. So I decided that I needed at at the minimum a break and at the maximum just leaving for forever. But I, I ended up moving to a higher ed tech company and working, working in marketing. So I've always been super into connecting with people online via social media. And I can thank one of my mentors in my undergrad for that. So I went to Bridgewater State University and was mentored by so many great student affairs professionals. And I think that's one of the big reasons why so many essay pros go into the field is that they had amazing mentors and they were able to strengthen their leadership skills. And I think that's a story that hits home with a lot of us. So when I was in the higher ed um, tech company job, it was actually a startup company. And I quickly realized that any organization really related to student affairs or higher ed um, just had that same story or thread of burnout among professionals. And, you know, that spectrum, that burnout spectrum really varies. Um, but for me, it was, it was pretty hard hitting. So I, do you know that quote, you take you with you anywhere you go? I can't say that I, that I've heard that before. No. <laughs> well, it's, I'm not sure who said it, but it's a self-development quote. So when I quit my job, I used to live in New England and I, decided that I was basically just kind of taking a hammer to, I don't know if you want to call it the glass ceiling, the glass wall, whatever it is, but I basically said, I want to start over. I want to start fresh. Well, since you take yourself with you everywhere you go, I, the mindset that I was in, you know, I took with me to Florida when I moved and all of my self-care habits and things like that, that weren't fully developed yet. So when I went into this new job, I had a new fresh mindset. I felt like I had a clean slate, but in terms of my own behaviors and how I viewed myself, my self-worth, it was still pretty low. So I ended up, um, of course, burning out in that position after a few years. I loved it so much. And then I, the company was kind of going in a di different direction. And I decided that I needed to, one, take time off and just reconsider my career and reconsider my life. Um, in terms of like, what do I want to be doing? You know, what kind of ideal life do I want to have? And once I started questioning that, I, I, I decided that I wanted to surround myself with people who truly cared, cared about me as a human being. 
and two, be in an environment that I could work to do that as well. So I decided to get my coaching certification and I not, I went into it thinking I was going to go back into student affairs. And by the end of it, I was sold on basically starting my own business. And I just had this, I think that entrepreneurs call it like the pull. It's not even, I can't even describe it as motivation because it's that, that energy force is so strong. You have a pull to wake up and do what you are called to do your purpose every day. And so I felt that pull towards coaching and knew that the tools that I use, the, the coaches that I hired, the coaches I worked with to help me transform my mindset, really, really just transform my life, giving people the ability to have different perspectives and rewrite their story. So, um, that was a bit long winded, I feel like, but here I am today and I'm heading into the second year of my business and it kind of just, it just happened. And it's been, it's been a journey of finding myself. And now I teach others how to also find themselves and rewrite their story and rewrite their beliefs. Yeah, that's awesome. You said it was long winded, but no, that was great Okay. because now, because now the people know the context in which I know you. Uh, and so uh, seeing you share your story online and uh, now through the five-day challenge that you started and we'll talk about all of that later but um, no it's been it's been great connecting with you and seeing your seeing you share your story and uh, getting to listen to that yes thank you so much uh, so uh, let's do a couple of other uh, get to know you questions okay uh, so uh, outside of your business uh, and some of the, the work stuff. Uh, what, what do you do in your spare time? Sure. I think I love this question because I, I really feel like my life is more of like a life business integration. So I never, I'm never really like on or off besides like the coaching calls that I have. And that's something that I've always wanted to create for my life is not feeling like I have to go into the office and I can kind of take coaching calls wherever I am. And so to answer your question is that my work in life is kind of an integration at this point. So it's hard to say what I, what is ident like classified as spare time, but what I'd love to do in terms of just relaxing and really calming my mind, um, is reading books. So right now I just got the book, um, The Prosperous Coach by Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. And Rich Litvin is one of my favorite coaches to listen to and just kind of watch and see where he has been. Um, and then I'm also really into money mindset and helping people heal their money story. I came from a family that was always working. I got a I got a permit to um, work early as a bank teller when I was 15. So I'm really into studying money, the art of money, the energy of money, and um, teaching other people's other people, excuse me, how to just build their money mindset in a way that feels really good for them. I think I think we're just thrown so many so many tools and strategies on how do you budget appropriately and how do you do this as an entrepreneur? And it's almost like overkill. And I think there's a lot to be said about um, reflecting on your own intuition and the simplicity that you can create from the tools that you already have. Um, so that's what I'm focused on right now is studying about money. There's a really great book called The Art of Money. Um, I forget who that's by. And then the other book that I'm reading is called The Energy of Money by Maria Nemeth. And that was recommended actually by a client of mine. So I'm super excited to dive into that. I also play with my cat, Kala. Uh, she is like my little assistant when I'm at home doing work from home. And then my fiance and I, Gio, he is also an entrepreneur. So when we're just hanging out, sometimes we'll just like spitball ideas back and forth on marketing. I'm kind of like the market, since I came from a marketing background, I'm the marketing person. And so he's always like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he writes poetry. So, you know, to be with someone, I'm very, I'm intuitive and I use structure a lot and he is intuitive 
but he writes poetry, which is different all the time. Um, so it's kind of fun to have that balance in my new work environment, which is my home. Um, other than that, you know, living in St. Petersburg, Florida, there's a really great entrepreneurial community. And I find that not only do I have this great online support with higher ed entrepreneurs and student affairs professionals, but there are also entrepreneurs here in St. Pete, and there's a lot of organizations here to support that. Um, one of them being Creative Mornings, which actually runs out of um, a good number of cities in the U.S. and around the world. So it's a opportunity for people to connect with other creatives in their city, and that happens once a month. So I'm always networking in person, online, um, and just trying to get myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, you know, each week I try to think about how I can do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So it wasn't really until I started um, like really uh, sharing things with uh, the groups uh, that uh, were a part of. And I've started like randomly connecting with people on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Gosh, this is this is a funny story. So. I just graduated with my master's in org leadership. Congrats, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to make it there for a little while, but, but when I like posted about it and like shared that I was launching the business and stuff like that, I had like this president of like a company reach out to me and was like, Hey, I want to connect with other like leadership development people, um, from fortune 500 companies. And I was like, so what are you connecting with me for? Uh, and, and so, uh, I connected with him anyway. And he like just randomly like posted an article, um, that he had, uh, contributed to. And I was like, you know what? He added me as a connection and it's going to be worth it for him. Damn it. Uh, and so I started, uh, like typing up a bunch of comments and we like interchanged back and forth. And I like, I'm a very expressive person. Uh, and so, uh, I just, I haven't, I've never done that before and I don't know why. And so to do it now is just like really cool, really fun. And so I live in farm town, Illinois. And so, um, a farm town in Illinois, not farm town, Illinois. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I felt that that was an important clarification. Uh, and so there's uh, not a lot of opportunities, uh, to, get coffee and network with other creatives. Yeah, I love that's why I love the power of social media and I came from a small hometown as well that has I don't think it has any stoplights. It's up in Massachusetts. So we kind of like other people who have met from, you know, smaller towns like around the US, we kind of joke about the kind of farm town vibe. <laughs> yeah yeah i and i love that we measure small towns by the number of stoplights that they have uh it's just like because it's so true uh and uh so i so i lived in the quad city area which is like booming metropolis compared to uh you know like it's it's like a step down from like a big city like chicago uh and then i moved to monmouth illinois which was considerably smaller uh at like ten thousand people I lived there for a couple of years while I, um, while I worked at the place I went to undergrad, Monmouth College, and now I'm living in Woodhall, Illinois, which is like uh, 850 people, uh, and so uh, it's like I don't know uh, how to handle uh, living in a in a town, well, really a village of less than like a thousand people. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an opportunity for you to get to know people <laughs> and create that community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it seems like it's important to you. Yeah. my uh, So uh, Woodhall is where most of my wife's family is from. And so all of my friends make the joke that like her family runs the town. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, uh, we're taken over eventually, I guess. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but. Yeah. But I steered us down a rabbit hole, so uh, I'm gonna take <laughs> no, okay. take ourselves back out. Yeah, no, I think it's important to have, um, especially if you have that value of family and have that support. Like I moved away from my family a few years ago when I decided to take the job at a startup, and a lot of people said, like, "Oh, you're so brave, you're so courageous," and I think that is just part of my DNA. Is that like 
entrepreneurship. So we kind of just like as entrepreneurs, we kind of just make it work wherever we are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, I've mentioned the Facebook group, uh, a number of times, uh, and now we can, uh, actually move towards those questions. Uh, so can you share a little bit about, uh, the higher ed entrepreneurs and side hustlers Facebook page? Sure. So we created that group last year, I think it was in March or April. And when I say we, it was myself, Savvy Labor of Resilient Campus, Dar Merriweather, um, of doing the good work. And, um, now we invited Joanne Machen, um, who runs her own business as part of the admin team as well. And I think, you know, we're each, we each have different degrees of participation in that group, but the idea started between a conversation when Sabi and I both, we both left our, or I had just left my job and Savvy was looking for marketing strategies. So we started working together and then we were talking about, and Savvy specifically was talking about how creating a side hustle in student affairs is this form of like this radical form of self-care. And I just thought how brilliant that idea was. And so I said, Savvy, why don't we start a, an online space where entrepreneurs in student affairs and higher ed can really support each other. And so we, we just started it thinking, okay, this is going to be a resourceful community where people can really uplift each other and ask questions that, you know, when you Google, there's a zillion different answers for it. It just makes you more confused. So like being able to have a community of people who have gone before you and can give you the inside scoop on, you know, their perspective or their experience and being able to share that in a private space has been so, so valuable to people. And I get a lot of messages saying like, thank you for hosting this and thank you for just being around and answering questions and empowering people. And I think through the whole process, we have almost, I think we have, we just hit over 800 people in that group and it's grown. It seems like it's grown so quickly um, because now people are, you know, they're launching their side hustles. They're, it, it gives the space gives people permission to do what they've been wanting to do. And I realized that when I was starting my coaching business, I didn't feel like I had a ton of support when I was doing it. So this, this is an awesome group for people to, you know, stopping making excuses and finally just going out and doing it and trying it out. Um, and it's really, it's really inspiring to watch people do that. And, uh, just like, wow, it's, I, I never imagined that this would, I guess, get to a point where people are really like, it feels like a community and that was the intent. And, hopefully the impact of it moving forward will still be like this feeling of a close knit community where you can share your successes and share some of the things that you're also navigating and working through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I, uh, when I joined, I had like <laughs> nothing laid out yet. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just, I'm just here to look around. I'm just browsing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, seeing it really blow up. Uh, and when I, I think I, the, one of the big things I posted was the launch of the podcast. And like from that, I had like three or four people reach out and like, oh my God, I want to be on your podcast. And so I was like, oh no. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but once I do, I'll let you know. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, seeing everybody post their, um, you know, their new things that they're launching or even the feedback that they're getting themselves has been just really cool. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start off. It's like a really great launching pad. And then as you navigate things, you know that people will always be there to answer questions, you know, whether it's one of the admins or it's other people who have gone through it themselves. Um, and then the other thing that happens that I think is really cool is like I just hired Joanne to do some editing for me on my most on my workbook that I just released called Leaving Your Student Affairs Job. And it was just cool to work with someone in the group and like utilize people and their services um, and find, and I've done a few business exchanges as well. So I learned 
how to use Pinterest. Like I was struggling on using Pinterest and I wanted to drive more traffic to my blog. So I reached out to Brianna Hollis and she is a blogger and she's focusing on creating her coaching business. And it's just cool to see um, other people's strengths and then being able to offer something in exchange and having that person value your service um, in the same light. So I think there's a lot of empowerment in that group. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see where it goes. We're working on a few different projects in that group to provide more, you know, values and tools. So people are less afraid to go out and create their side hustle or do what they want to want to truly do. Yeah. That's again, awesome. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I definitely look forward to seeing more, uh, seeing what comes of that. Yeah. I think something that really resonates with me is this idea. And I know there's other coaches in the group that do the same thing as me or do something similar to me, but I love this idea of community over competition. And we said that early on in the group. Um, and I think that energy is still there. We don't, we don't say it as often anymore, but the energy is there of, we might be doing the same thing, but because of who we are, um, you know, there's always going to be, there's always going to be services and there's always going to be work for us to find. Um, there's never like, work is never going to be empty. Like there's always going to be something to do in our business. And I think I love the, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the abundance mindset and how that is kind of taking over the self-development world. Mm -hmm. But that kind of stems from that is that a lot of us grow up thinking that there's a limited amount of things in this world and so we hold on, we hold and we, now we can let go of control of, oh, like we're going to have clients, we're going to have business, we're going to be able to sell our product to people who want to invest in us because it's unlimited. There's not a limited amount anymore. So um, that's super empowering too. So I love just, I love uplifting new entrepreneurs and their businesses. And I'm glad that you just went out and did it too, because I think it, it kind of pushes us out of the nest and gets us outside of our comfort zone. And now look at you, you're what, what number podcast is this now? This will be number six, number six or seven. <laughs> and I feel like this, what, this just started last month. Yeah. Like, uh, like mid December, maybe. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a real ride. And so, uh, I'm excited to, to kind of just see where everything's going. Yeah. And so, uh, you've kind of, you kind of touched on this already, but, uh, how have you seen, uh, the community, uh, impact, uh, your business? Um, I think it's impacted it. Well, it's definitely impacted it in a few different ways. I think, um, for me, I'm definitely working with more clients who are interested in scaling their business. So they're interested in leaving their student affairs job, or they want to keep their student affairs job and they want to pay off debt, they want to create more than enough money in order to invest back into themselves. So, I mean, I've seen success in my own business by connecting with people online. Um, but I think the other thing is that we, like every, there's this, I feel like there's this new energy of everyone's kind of questioning the status quo. And it's like, why are we why are we just settling for good enough when we can have more than enough? Um, and so I think that's empowering because the energy that I, you know, put into the group, I feel like I get back like three to five times. Like I can feel it from other people. Um, and so I just think it's, I don't know, it's impacted. I think it's impacted my business in ways that I'm not even sure of yet. So I am thinking about going to NASPA and ACPA still to meet up with people in person because there's something like, yes, social media is amazing for cultivating new relationships, but there's also something that's truly amazing about meeting the people that you've seen grown online and then meeting them in person. Um, so I'm hoping that I can check one of those conferences or both of those conferences off my list. I'm not sure I'll be an attendee, but um, I would love to, you know, just meet up with people at coffee shops and be, be in that space. Yeah, that would, uh, that would be awesome. I, uh, 
like conferences for me uh, as still like a new uh, professional in student affairs are always uh, kind of awkward. <laughs> I think conferences are they're kind of odd because I I see like the same presenters present every year and I think there's there's some presenters who bring a lot of value every year and they're on top of their shit. But then there's other presenters like I was I'll say it. I was one of those presenters where I knew if I submitted a conference proposal that I would probably be chosen. And I don't know how the system works, but it's one of those things that you look at as a student affairs professional, you question and you know that something is like completely off. Um, like the system is rigged. And I think that that was, that was another, and I'm going to say it cause I don't work at, I don't work in student affairs anymore. So, say it. Yep. Okay. We're going to go off. We're going to go off a little bit. Um, and uh, that's something that was really hard for me too. Um, because I, I really try to bring, you know, a more inclusive lens to my work. And I have a few clients that do pay what they can because that's what I'm passionate about. But it was really hard to work within a system that said they prioritized, you know, inclusiveness and social justice, but the system, the way that it's set up is not set up for that. So I kind of felt like I was, it was just really hard for me to go into work at both a for-profit company in higher ed and within student affairs. So I think that's a conversation I kind of have on the sidelines that I don't bring into my business a lot. And it really, uh, I think I, I see that show up in the conferences. So um, last year I, I didn't pay for NASPA and I just went because I had a presentation and I said, like, I'm, I can't pay for this as a new entrepreneur, um, but I'm contributing so much value to the field. Like, think about this. Like, a lot of people are choosing to stay in their student affairs jobs after they create money from their side hustle because now, now they can do what they love. They can make an impact. They can make the change. And they can also make, make more than enough money. And that's the thread that we keep hearing is that people are living paycheck to paycheck. They can't pay off their student loans. Um, or there's not enough jobs in student affairs. Um, and there's, I think that, um, and then creating a side hustle is also, you know, it's more time consuming up front. And then once you get it going, you can have money in the long run. So there's just a lot of uh, dynamics at play that I think I, I used to question a lot as a student affairs professional and people didn't like it because I was a new professional and um, the way that I, showed up in spaces, made people uncomfortable. Um, so I was also that way as an undergrad. And, <laughs> um, but I think that leads to, you know, why I'm a great entrepreneur is because I can just kind of create whatever I want to create now. And I can do it in a way that resonates with, I want to say people within our generation, but I've coached directors of student life. I've coached dean of students because they resonate with the values of the millennial generation and feeling like they want that work-life integration too. So I know I just kind of went off on. No, please. That was great. <laughs> um, but I think there's just so many, um, the, the collective. So, you know, the collective, the world, especially the United States being, being in the, um, political power that we see right now, we see the collective go through a lot of healing. And I think that student affairs is kind of stuck in this, you know, achieving masculine um, productivity way of viewing, viewing how they work. And that's not how students work anymore. And we see that students, students coming in, they're prioritizing, focusing on who they want to become. And and now we're we're kind of shoving them into boxes of picking their major and things. And I think that, you know, colleges and universities, we're just going to see them drastically shift because we're not serving. And I'm not going to say we because I'm not in student affairs anymore, but colleges aren't serving the needs of students at the way that they need to be anymore. And we see things like mental health and anxiety like on the rise and I think, you know, that's why I left was my own was ultimately my own mental health. But my passion is getting to a place where I can come back, work with student affairs professionals in some way so that 
we can shift, truly shift the conversation. And I noticed that when I left student affairs, I was able to shift that conversation more than when I was in it due to the nature of politics and relationships. Yeah. Cause it's all about not, uh, not rocking the boat or, uh, yeah, it's like the, I just had this conversation last week, actually, uh, that, uh, you don't want to say, say something that, uh, rocks the boat too much because it's a small field. And then what happens after you leave an institution where you have rocked the boat and, uh, tried to challenge the, the way in which things are done. <laughs> the way I think, you know, if people are going to be happy, whether they're, you know, defining, you know, so when I'm coaching clients who want to leave student affairs, instead of asking them like, okay, what's the next step? It's more of like, okay, is, are you, if you're not satisfied in your job right now, what needs to happen to get you to the next, you know, level of who you are? Because it's not necessarily about the action of actually getting a new job. It's about changing the internal self-talk and, um, and it's really hard when you're, if you're at an institution and you're surrounded with people who have negative internal self-talk, that's going to come out in the external environment. And for me, being around people who are inauthentic is like my living hell as an INFJ introvert, um, someone who is very, you know, I, um, I really focus on alignment and helping people speak their truth because that's what we're up against in society. Um, we're up against people who don't have the ability to speak their truth um, or they're scared to. And I think in my story, I've been in environments where I've felt um, that I wasn't valued. I wasn't appreciated because I couldn't speak up. And it's just, a, it's, there's a lot there, but um, I think that it's important for just for student affairs professionals to keep questioning the status quo, because that's how we're going to redefine what it looks like to serve students at universities. Um, yeah. So I'm passionate about that. I don't know where that comes into my work at this point, but I know that it will come in at some point down the road. I think that, uh, when I, what I first experienced when I, uh, joined, um, so I went to Monmouth college as an undergrad and then, uh, I loved it so much that I didn't leave. Uh, and so, well, I did for like a hot second, but, uh, I was hired the fall after I graduated and there was like this, um, somebody told me when I first started that, Oh, Jake, you should say this at the next meeting. Cause you still have, uh, the newness factor. And I was like, well, uh, what is that? It's like, Oh, well you can say whatever you want because you're still new and you don't know everything yet. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's give that a shot. And I think I've lived in this like uh, perpetual uh, state of uh, just saying uh, what I think needs to be said. Uh, and some people call that uh, being too bold or things like that. And so uh, I've, so I'm an ENFP if we're bringing out uh, Myers-Briggs types. Uh, and so uh, I just, I'm like the team cheerleader, but I'm also like this very expressive, I feel everything and here are my feelings, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of person. And so, yeah, uh, the thing you said about not liking, uh, or, uh, being drained by the inauthentic people, um, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're like my counterpart because I'm the introvert and you're the extrovert too. <laughs> yeah. I notice I work really well with ENFPs. I mean, we're uh, we're a great uh, type to be around. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. So, um, but uh, but anyway, so uh, thinking about um, kind of future directions, 2019, and kind of what you hope to get out of your life, your business uh, in the year. Wow. What are your thoughts around that? Wow. I, so January is always the month where I take time to just kind of look at the year that just happened. Um, so 2018 and for me, it was a really emotionally turbulent year. And I think 
there's a large amount of people who resonate with that. Um, uh, It was definitely a year of growth and it was my first year in business. So I was kind of trying a lot of things, making lots of mistakes and, you know, just picking myself up and I continued going. Um, This year it's, it's really about, and I think you might've seen my post on this, but I call it unencumbered growth um, or unencumbered expansion because I feel like I'm at this point where I feel so liberated to help people, to help them grow and to help help them on their journey that um, I just feel limitless. Like I feel, I feel unbounded to the opportunities that could come into my world and onto my plate. So I, I'm leaving 2019 a little bit open-ended, but I do know that, I mean, the next round of the next cohort, cohort number two of um, SA Pro to CEO is coming up. And that is, um, that was a three-week program, um, but I got feedback from the first cohort that it was it was pretty quick and I had a lot of content in it. It was super helpful, um, but just giving people more time to implement and then kind of report back. So now it's six weeks. And so people have access to me to feedback for all of the six weeks, which is really great. Um, So assembling that cohort right now, and um, then people are really into money mindset and making 2019 their year to, you know, make a plan or figure out like, okay, why hasn't my money mindset up until this point been working. So I've done a lot of work around that. And um, I, I'm just really excited. I just invested actually today into my past coach who, who also left higher education. Her name's Erin Nicole Porter. And we worked together last year and she helped me scale my business in a way that felt really good um, so that I could replace my full-time income and then some. I gave myself basically a, a ten dollars to $15,000 raise within my first year of business. So I'm really proud of that, that I could do that in a way that felt really good because I think that so many people have worry and fear and overwhelm and anxiety about how am I going to create income and what's the month-to-month going to look like. Um So this year, I'm really excited to work with her again and create offers that feel really good and feel really aligned. So in my business, I have kind of three different areas that I focus on. So one of them is the money mindset and abundance. Um, And then the other piece is the higher ed entrepreneurs and student affairs side hustlers. Um, And then the third piece is energy work. So a lot of people don't know that I'm a Reiki practitioner here in St. Pete, Florida, and I work with, you know, the energy of the body to help people release blockages. So sometimes we, I think when we're working on self-development stuff, we can read so many books, but, and, and then we kind of figure out that, oh, it's not our mind. It's like, we've been holding on to these beliefs at a cellular level, Um, so what's really cool is that I get to work with people and their bodies, um, and help them kind of create more space in their body, whether it's through yoga, meditation, Reiki is, um, a lineage that is energy, a form of energy healing where I use sound bowls and essential oils, and I'm able to create a space for a client to actually heal. So if they've done, if they've been doing a lot of, mindset work around healing. Sometimes the body needs to catch up with that new level of, um, that new level of thinking and way of being. So I really enjoy that. And so learning about sound healing and using crystal bowls is just something that I get to do in person here in St. Pete. And it's just different. And I like that I can be a multi-passionate person and teach others how to do the same. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that sounds awesome. When I, cause I read that, cause I think you posted that to your Instagram story today, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so, um, or about that at least. And so, um, like I've always, I've heard about that before, but I've, I, I have never, I, I guess I don't experience that where I am living right now in Illinois. Uh, and so, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up with Reiki in my house. My mom used to do Reiki on me as a kid. Um, and I used to have, I was in gymnastics for a little while and had, um, some knee issues. And so she was the person who introduced me to Reiki at a really young age. Um, 
And so I like to think that that was passed down from her in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love the whole uh, unencumbered expansion uh, as the, as the theme uh, for the year. Uh, <laughs> when I saw you post that, I was like, Oh my God, that's so good. Um, Cause I, I guess I'm still, uh, and I think I say this in my, uh, like whenever somebody subscribes to my website, they get an automatic email that I typed up like two months ago. Uh, and so somebody subscribed last night and I was like, oh, I better go back in and reread that <laughs> and and see uh, what it says. But one of the things on there uh, talked about, uh, one of the things in that letter said, um, I'm still trying to figure this out. And so, um, you know. Let me know, let me know what you think uh, and uh, things like that. And so uh, like trying to solicit feedback, I guess. And so as I've been trying to figure this out, because it started as like this desire, as I mentioned earlier to you about speaking and coaching and um, then uh, that $3,500 question, uh, do you have any videos, uh, sparked the idea for the podcast. And one of the things I got to do uh, and it's listed as an offer on my website. Uh, but, um, one of the things I got to do a couple weeks ago was lead a strategic planning effort for, um, the student affairs division at Monmouth. And it was just like so much fun. Uh, and I, uh, it was like a two day long retreat in which we're doing team building and setting basically the division's strategic plan. And it was just, uh, it was draining, uh, but it was like that good kind of drain where it's like, I gave this everything we've got and we've got this, these good results kind of coming out of this. And so, um, I'm leaning more into that now. Uh, and you know, from an individual, from an organizational space, how do you kind of strategize your game plan? Uh, and it's just like those super fun things. And so when I heard unencumbered expansion, I'm like, yes, Yes. Like we all need to be doing this. Yeah. I think that something that I've learned in business is allowing things to happen and kind of receiving what we deserve. Um, and I am still growing out of this kind of phase of my life, <coughs> excuse me, of just needing to have control over everything. And so something that I'm working on with, with my coach is, how can I let go to create more opportunities to come my way? And I've been practicing this a lot and I see the, um, I see the shifts within myself happening because I'm able to teach this to other people. And so when I start seeing the shifts around me, whether it's with clients or communities, you know, in the higher ed group, it's really cool to, I don't know. I like, I've never said this out loud to be some sort of leader to people and give them permission to just be themselves and to just work on this stuff um, at whatever pace feels good. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think, I think, you know, when we're developing ourselves in our side hustle or, you know, we're just doing this, this work, it doesn't always feel like work because it's fun and we get to bring that to, you know, people who do work and have nine to fives, like you get to bring that to your workspace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, it's so weird because it's like, I always have fun at work, uh, but it's just because of who I am as a person. And uh, like, there's always music, there's always something. Uh, and so, um, no, but actually like talking about it, I just, I could nerd out for like another couple of hours uh, just uh, talking about all those things. Yeah. I think that we could probably talk about these, all of this self-development mm -hmm. nerd for a while. Yeah. Um, but I do like to leave like the last uh, 10 minutes uh, just kind of open because I know I probably had other questions on the doc I sent you. But um, yeah, so before I stop recording and do my outro, uh, I'll just open it up for any other thoughts you think that we missed, anything else that you want included on the podcast. Um, I think that something that people come to me or I see in some other Facebook groups are people dealing with toxic workplace environments and what that really means. Um, and if you're struggling to find alignment and I get a lot of these questions, so I wanted to address that yeah. really quick. Yeah, please. Um, 
So when people talk about toxicity in their workplace, it comes in a few different ways. And I think that we just need to start naming what toxicity is because being in a toxic workplace is very general. Um, and it can be anything from the red tape, but it usually shows up as microaggressions and, um, and just like racist remarks. Like I find that that's a huge thing mm-hmm. and being in, um, and I think those things are really heavy and we see, we see people of color in student affairs, they're burning out at the highest rate, or sometimes they don't have the option to leave their jobs or the people that are dealing with their mental health don't, they don't have the option to leave their jobs. So I, I'm also very acutely aware that if you're in a toxic work environment, you don't always have the option to leave. Um, but what is important is that you found, you find those allies that you can rely on and can support whether they're in your department or they're in another department. I know for me that getting really close with the identity centers on campus made me feel a lot stronger sense of belonging because I had people who I knew were in my corner, um, and just had that support if I had a bad day. Um, I also encourage people to find and hire a therapist. A lot of colleges and universities have great coverage for, um, mental health, um, so I, I encourage my clients to find a therapist. Actually, when I left my student affairs job, I worked with a therapist. I actually took like I took a half day on Monday because it was just so, so busy in the office. And it really drove my anxiety up to be in the office on a Monday morning in residence life. Hmm. So I when clients are saying like, oh, I really want to work with a therapist. I just don't know where to start. Psychology Today, um, they have a really great directory and you can find some therapists or even life coaches like they do both. So I think that's really cool. Um, And then the other piece I was going to talk about was finding alignment. And the biggest uh, the biggest thing I see are people pleasers um, and people who can't create boundaries for themselves out of out of not feeling like they're being enough or they can be enough. Um, they don't feel like they're enough. So they put themselves last on their to-do list. And so the first thing that I ask people to do, um, is on their to-do list, like put them first and start their day with, you know, accomplishing something, checking something off that's for them, whether it's waking up and reading a book or doing yoga or drinking 16 ounces of water to make sure they're hydrated and they don't forget um, just some of the basic self-care needs, whether it's really good self-care, like it feels good, or whether it's self-care, like you kind of need to parent yourself to get through the day. Um, I think that's the biggest piece of finding alignment is finding that intuition, that inner voice and trusting it. Um, But also knowing that when you when you choose to ignore that inner voice, that sometimes you're doing it to survive. Um, and I see a lot of shame and embarrassment come up around that. So, um, you know, and just know that that is, you're on a journey and you're on a journey of finding that next career step, or you're finding that next, you know, thing that's going to allow you to have boundaries, um, And there's nothing that says you can't work on these things while you're in your job. So I try to um, teach other people what really helped me when I got started on my own journey. The thing you noted about shame uh, in trying to find alignment and taking care of yourself, I think that um, when I've experienced uh, being shamed for um, my own self-care stuff, um, it seems to come out of a place of jealousy on their part. They just don't know how to do it. And so when someone else is uh, taking time or doing things or behaving in a way that is self-care for them, uh, they don't know. They don't know how to take that. And I see this. So just from working with coaching clients who who have left their student affairs jobs, I see this come up a lot with the dynamic around, you know, when we're discussing how am I going to navigate this conversation with my supervisor? Like I need to create this boundary, but I didn't implement it earlier on. But that's, that's the thing is I think we're the student affairs field is changing because they're recognizing 
that needs do change and they do evolve and we do grow as people. Um, and that's one of the number one reasons why people leave is because the environment is not changing adapt in adapting. Um, and therefore they're not allowed to change and adapt and they feel stuck. They feel suffocated. So I, I do see a lot of conversations around supervisors who, who don't understand and really throw a fit around employees leaving and they don't understand. So I think if you're an employer and you're listening to this, that it's important to listen and also share concerns, but know that, um, you know, boundaries change and that's okay, but just open, open up the space for those conversations to be had. Because if you're the supervisor, you're the leader in that department, like you are responsible for creating that space for your employees. Um, and I don't think a lot of people view it that way. And we, there's a lot of pressure I see on new student affairs professionals to start these conversations and it can be really intimidating. Yeah. Um, I know that I've, I've been blessed with, uh, an awesome supervisor and, uh, the way our kind of hierarchy works, um, just like a great line of, uh, support and people who know that it's like, that it's okay for people to ask for, for time off or for, uh, responsibilities to be shifted in some way to support, um, the journey discovery of how to practice self-care. Uh, and so, um, but it didn't mean that the conversation was any less awkward or intimidating, uh, when I had to take that step. And so sometimes you don't know unless you have the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So it's part, it's part like, okay, I have to empower myself to do this. But the other part is meeting, meeting your employees halfway. And I think that's really great that you have an environment where you're at right now, where you feel, you know, you feel comfortable to start the conversation and then kind of see, <coughs> excuse me, you have at least some sort of support in place to explore what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe that's all the time we have today. Thank you again, Kaylee, for joining us today. Thanks, Jake. We'll talk soon. Yes. And thank you, listeners, for listening to today's episode. You can follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to our mail list at www.jakespeaks.org or just follow me on Twitter at MC Leadership Guy. Until next time, take care.